You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 229. Who cares? With me, as always, Brandon Lee Gowton of BleedingGreenNation.com. I am Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. The Eagles have themselves a two-game winning streak. Uh, somewhat amazing that it wasn't three uh, with the loss to, actually, maybe even been, should have been more than that, uh, to the Giants uh, a few weeks ago. And they will once again Take on these very same New York Giants in week 16. Brandon, what's going on, buddy? Well, before we get to the New York football Giants, Jimmy, we have to wrap up the Washington football team. Yes. Because the Eagles did beat them, as you mentioned. Uh, Jimmy, the Christmas is coming up. It's Festivus when we're recording this, December 23rd, for those who don't know. So um, I don't know that we have any grievances there. Probably do. I probably will get to some of them. Um, but before we get into the meat of the episode and that very much is a pun intended because you should be checking out righteous felon craft jerky i mean uh you know the holidays are kind of here so it might be a little late but uh maybe if you missed getting a gift for someone uh you could circle back to righteousfelon.com use discount code bgn15 for 15 percent off your order same discount code at wildnaturepet.com for 15 percent off dog treats jimmy where to start so let's start with what we learned in the eagles washington game um, and I think we got to start first of all with the rushing attack. Um, what did they put? Two thirty-eight on the ground in that game, and it's the seventh uh, straight game that they have rushed for at least one hundred and seventy-five yards. And I know that you put these together too, but in like the uh, power ranking roundups that I did, I think like three or four different publications had that stat in there that they rushed for 175 yards in seven consecutive games. And it's the first, and the reason why that's noteworthy is because it's the first time it has happened since 1985. The Chicago bears did that. One of the most famous uh, football seasons of all time, the 1985 bears more noted for their defense, but also, yes, they ran the ball all over their opponents with Walter Payton uh, and the gang there. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that, it's, it's very impressive what they've been doing on the ground. And not only, like, running, um, you know, on offense, but they've actually held their opponents uh, down in the uh, rushing yards category. They have outrushed their opponents during that seven-game span 1,501 to 554, which it's is just— 1, it's yeah. crazy <laughs> the disparity with, that they're uh, outgaining teams on the ground. And, uh, I mean, clearly that's been their formula for a while now. And uh, right now it's working. Isn't it funny that people are usually like, well, there are no 85 Bears. Because they're usually <laughs> right. talking about how the defense is, you know, uh, might not be like, or it's playing well, but they're not that great. <laughs> well, here, yeah. the Eagles offense 
somehow is the 85 bears. Yep. Uh, really weird that that is the case. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously we kind of know by now the Eagles can do this, run the ball well. That's what they've been doing to win games. Um, they're leaning into their strengths. Like their offensive line is really good. I think Nick Sirianni deserves a lot of credit, Jimmy. I think, um, you know, he's obviously been a big part of this turnaround. You know, we can all question why didn't it happen sooner, but, and, and okay, that's fair when you're looking over the course of the season, but in giving a coach credit for adjusting, it's kind of, you know, that's all he can do after, you know, what's done is done on the bad end. So, um, good to see Jeff Stoutland, I think deserves a ton of credit in this too. I feel like, there is an assistant coach uh, of the year award. I think that the AP gives out, but it usually goes to like a coordinator yeah. and usually from like, you know, like the number one seed or whatever. But I mean, I feel like he is, has to be like, <laughs> he should win it. I feel like he's like the most valuable or the best position coach in the NFL because the Eagles didn't even have, you know, they were missing Sua or sorry, they were missing um, Landon Dickerson um, for this game because it got delayed and that was stupid. And, you know, they're still dominant with Sua Opeta in there. So uh, just really good stuff. And, it doesn't look like anyone has an answer for it right now. Yeah, the star is the offensive line. I mean, it's not they, they're doing. What I mean by that is like they're doing all this without star power at the running back position. Uh, certainly, Jalen Hurts is a running quarterback, and that adds to the totals and whatnot. But this isn't like you know it's the Titans with you know Derrick Henry or it's the the Colts with Jonathan Taylor or something like that. Like they're doing this with Miles Sand- a combination of Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, and occasionally you know guys like Boston Scott. Uh, to a lesser degree, Kenny Gainwell. So, like the the star of this of this stretch of uh, seven games where they're just pouring, you know, crazy rushing guard numbers, game after game after game, is the offensive line. And they they have three guys playing at a Pro Bowl level. Uh, in Jason Kelsey, who of course made it. We'll get to the Pro Bowl stuff a little bit later. Uh, Lane Johnson, of course, um, snubbed in my opinion. Jordan Mailata, uh, maybe an argument for a snub there as well. And you mentioned Dickerson being out there, also without, of course, Isaac Sayamalo. They're without Brandon Brooks. They lost Jack, they lost Jack Driscoll. They're playing with two third-string guards in that last game with, as you mentioned, Sua Opeta at left guard, Nate Herbig at right guard. And guys just keep filling in, and they keep playing well. I mean, we mentioned in previous podcast episodes, like Andre Dillard filled in earlier this year. And, you know, you and I, I think, both thought, like, if he had to play at all this year, he was going to be a disaster. And he wasn't. Like, they survived with him. So they, they're they kind of used to playing with you know, second and third string guys along this offensive line. But still, I mean, just what they've done in this run game is all about the offensive line. It's all about, you know, not only like Jeff Stoutland coaching those guys up and getting them ready to play, but he's also the run game coordinator. And they do a lot yeah. of different creative things in the run game. Um, you know, they they ran a little option uh, in that game yesterday. They do it with RPOs. They do it with just uh, power runs. So they, they're doing it in a lot of different ways. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been impressive to see. And, uh, I think that run, that rushing attack is really covering up for, for some other deficiencies. There are a couple of plays that stood out to me live, which I feel like doesn't always happen to me. Um, like, oh, that's a really creative play, unless, you know, like mm-hmm. it's a trick play or whatever beats you over the head with it. But, um, a couple of things that stuck out in this game to me from Sirianni slash, you know, the run game, whatever, um, was the Eagles were in 22 personnel at one point with, I believe, Sanders and Howard both in mm-hmm. the backfield. And then I think they, they was it a, is it a run to Sanders or whatever? It went left or it was a short pass. But anyway, like it's just like the defense totally looked confused. They weren't able to account for it and then similar thing with Darius Slay coming in the yes. game and lining up as a slot receiver and you know I don't know you know to what extent uh the defense was truly concerned about him but you know ultimately you know Miles Sanders had a nice run on that play in open field so gaping uh, hole on that play 
yeah, at the very least, you know, like it's not just a matter, I think, of executing. I think there is some creative stuff going on with the play calling here too, but I mean, the execution is paramount and offensive line is just kicking people's butts. I mean, you're seeing Jason Kelsey run down the field like he was <laughs> right. on that long Miles Sanders run and Miles Sanders even admitted he should have been following that block instead of cutting back uh, to the right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's unstoppable right now. Like, what is the answer? And like, like what are teams going to do to stop this? It's funny when you watch this, that like what Kelsey did in that play on that play on, on uh, Tuesday night it was nothing new. Like we've seen him running out in front of running backs and wide receivers in the past. Like I remember back in the day, he was running out in front of uh, Jeremy Macklin, I think. And Macklin was running full speed and had a tough time catching him. It was kind of the same thing uh, Tuesday night where, where Miles Sanders was running behind him. And Sanders was basically running full speed and he was having trouble catching up to Kelsey who was running out in front of him. Mm-hmm. So just the athleticism of that guy and what he does at the center position is unlike anything anyone else in the league is doing or, or maybe even has ever done. Uh, I think he's, you know, a, a certified, you know, Hall of Famer whenever he retires. Um, but I mean, just what, what he's able to do is special and what the Eagles offensive line do, has done this year has been really phenomenal. What did you, um, what, what do you think about, I mean, you and I both, uh, have really made our minds up that like the Eagles brass, you know, they, uh, they want to run, uh, you know, pass first offense. Like that's what they want to be ultimately. Do you think their success in the run game this year, uh, changes their mind on that front in any way? I mean, how could it not to some extent, right? I mean, you're yeah. winning games. Um, now, you know, have you been beating really good teams with these, with this style? Have you, you know, are you like truly contending? Cause that, I think that ultimately is going to factor into the equation here. Um, and I think we kind of, it'd be helpful that you just made the playoffs and you kind of get to see, okay, what does this offense, assuming they stick with it, look like in the playoffs and against, you know, higher level uh, competition, not only just in the form of like a better defense, but also like a better quarterback, which is also relevant because that other Mm -hmm. quarterback's probably going to be able to put up a lot of points. And is your offense, the way you play going to be able to match like, or out, you know, pace that style, Um, especially if you fall behind maybe, and then the other team kind of key in on your defense and like, then are you just done? Are you not able to adjust from there? Like, that's my thing. I guess I always come back to the defense. Like I or the offense, I can't imagine. Like I said it earlier in this year, they're not going to just do this all the way to the Super Bowl, right? Like they're not. It's not like an unstoppable offense permanently forever. It feels like at some point, like the like even the best offenses in the NFL, like look at the Chiefs right now, like they're slumping. The Cowboys, they're sl- you're going to go through a slump. You're not going to be able to do like fit the same thing all the time. There's going to be teams that adjust and everything, and that's why I guess like it kind of comes back to the quarterback because it's like, is he going to be good enough to pass? When inevitably he's going to have to pass at some point, like, there's going to be there's going to be a game somewhere along the way or multiple games where you're going to need him to like be a really good passer at a high level and kind of probably carry the offense and not just be you know kind of efficient and like leaning on the run game. I just feel like that has to happen at some point. I mean, like to the to the Eagles' credit, they're doing this for the first time since 1985. Yes, and that's special, but also like that also shows like this isn't like sustainable too, right? Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, at some point he's going to have to pass. Obviously, in the in on Tuesday night, he, he, I think it was what twenty of twenty six um, passing for two ninety nine, I think, or two ninety two ninety six, uh, one touchdown, one interception. That wasn't his fault. Um, but I mean, they're also they ran it with Sanders and Howard 
33 times. So like it's, they've, they, they were, you know, they ran a lot more running plays. And of course, Hertz ran his share too. I mean, carries the have real quick, uh, eight. Okay. So, uh, 33 for Sanders and Howard, eight for Hertz. They ran 41 times, uh, versus 26 passes in that game. So what Brandon is saying there, like obviously he's, he's passing in these games where they're racking up these, uh, huge rushing totals, but there may be a game where they, you know, kind of have to catch up and, throw a lot uh, in order to do so. So, yeah, I mean, I'm with you there. When you look at sort of, um, you know, the rest of their season here, they're going to have, you know, another easy game against the Giants this this Sunday. Uh, they're going to face Washington again, of course, the following week, and then Dallas. Um, what do you need to see the, the rest of these three games um, to think that, like, you know, this could be their offense going forward in 2022 and beyond? I, mean, I don't know if these three games can prove it. That's like the thing, right? Yeah. Because yeah. You're, you know, the, you should be able to do almost anything to beat the Giants. <clears throat> At least you would think, because he was lost to the Giants before. But especially this version of the Giants, when they don't even have their starting quarterback and might be even further depleted with injuries and stuff and COVID issues. So I don't know. It's just like I'm. So I'm looking at the numbers here since Week Eight, because right, that's that's what we've all cited as the big turnaround for the Eagles' offense. Um, in their last seven games, I believe, as I highlighted on the link this morning, they have like the most efficient offense in the NFL or the most, um, like they, they lead the league in scoring efficiency measured as like getting points on drives, either like a field goal or a touchdown or whatever. Um, which is really impressive. But at the same time, during the stretch, like you have a quarterback who's averaging 22.5 attempts per game. Again, I'm just like saying, I think that volume, like that's surprising to me if you could really sustain that over the course of a season. Like that's just not the kind of passing volume you see in today's NFL. Um, So that's what I kind of have questions about still. So I like during the bye week, I had, you know, written a thing about Jalen Hurts to stock up and stock down uh, for each individual game throughout the season. And the final tally I had was four games where he improved a stock four where his stock went down and four where he remained kind of neutral. Where'd you have him in this last game? It's a stock up game for sure. Um, I didn't feel like blown away about him and maybe I'm just a hater, which I don't like to think <laughs> I am because I think there are, Jalen Hurts has a lot of merits. No, I, 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 think, I, like I think you, I think you have pretty much, yeah. I think you've pretty much said uh, and, you know, backed up your words by saying like you like Jalen Hurts and uh, you know, sort of what he is as a player. Actually, and we, Actually, before we even get to like the stock up, one thing I do want to mention about Hertz too is like um, the interview session after after the game on Tuesday night. Both his interview session and uh, Nick Sirianni's interview, interview session, they were both asked about. Um, I don't want to call it a blow up on the sideline, but when Nick Sirianni was, you know, sort of getting in his ass about like the fumble that he had, uh, you know, I think on their second possession, and uh, you know, big turnover there. When you know, and the, that, like obviously that game got off to a terrible start when they were down ten nothing. Nick Sirianni yelling at Jalen Hurts on the sideline, and uh, after the game, you know Nick Sirianni said first that you know Jalen Hurts asked him to coach him hard because he is quote unquote the son of a coach, and what he meant by that is he lives with you know growing up he lived with his harshest critic. On, you know, after football games and, and heard a lot of criticism from, from his father uh, after games. And and uh, he's used to sort of that tough coaching played under Nick Saban. Uh, he, Jalen Hurts himself named a lot of other uh, coaches that have been hard on him uh, over the years. And he he likes that that style of coaching. And uh, I think he res- and obviously he responds to it. On the sideline, he was kind of walking away from Sirianni while he was getting yelled at. But uh, yeah, I, I think that um, 
he he has shown uh, a mental toughness that uh you know we haven't seen from other quarterbacks that that have played for the Eagles in the past. Carson Wentz. <laughs> That's who you're referring to. Um it's true. It's absolutely true and something that was in the conversation when the Eagles were, you know, like, okay, do we fix Carson Wentz? Do we bring him back in the offseason? That's one reason I didn't believe in Carson Wentz anymore. Is like, I don't think he's coachable. You're all talking about, like, fixing him through coaching. He doesn't want to be coached hard. Like, that's like a, that's a non-starter. Um, and Jalen Hurts, meanwhile, is very much the opposite. I know when we had Joe Santoliquido on to talk about Wentz and Hurts, one of the things he had heard about Hurts was, like, he is like a sponge. And he worked a lot with Marty Mornweg. Uh, last year, uh, kind of behind the scenes. And I think for like, you know, Marty is a fairly tough coacher. At least he can be. Like, he's not going to like, uh, mm-hmm. mince words. Um, and I definitely think Jalen Hurts can handle that. And honestly, too, I think another thing that's getting lost in this because everyone's talking about, you know, Hurts and being able to take that. Like, this is also just how Nick Sirianni coaches. Like, we saw it in training camp when, you know, he really got on Jalen Rager that one mm-hmm. day where he had like a really bad practice or he did a couple bad things. But the next day, I think like Jalen Rager had one of his better practices and he made a nice catch. And then Nick Sirianni is like the first one, you know, running over there and celebrating with him. So this is who he is. Like he gets on people, but then when you do it right, he's going to be right there and like, you know, give you a uh, pat on the back. That's right. On the butt, wherever, pat on the head, anywhere, (laughs) anywhere that he you consent to. So um so yeah, I think this is just kind of who he is and that's on so when I saw that like it wasn't even like the biggest deal to me. Cause, like I know having seen it in practice like that's you know that's how Sirianni coaches. It's not like out of character for him to do that. Speaking of Jalen Rager, three targets, three catches, <laughs> 57 yards. You know what Justin Jefferson did, Brandon? <laughs> 10 targets, four receptions, Oof. 47 yards. He did have a touchdown. Uh but yeah, suck it, Brandon. <laughs> and Jalen Rager should have had a touchdown, except he tripped over like a blade of grass on his way to the end zone, right? But he did uh, some positive things for the first time in a while. Uh, well, so. it was a career high in receiving for him, for Jalen Rager. So yeah, absolutely. It's it's Look, you know, winners, losers, you know, I don't know my, uh, you know, like in our, or if we want to do it, stock up, whatever. Absolutely stock up Jalen Rager game, you know, relative to him. Um, you know, you have to acknowledge here that Washington was depleted. Their secondary, and that they didn't have Kendall Fuller, their top cornerback. William, uh, William Jackson, Jackson got hurt, didn't return. Hurt. Yeah, Lennon, Dick, uh, Lennon Collins, rather not Dickerson, uh, missed some time. I think he came, he came back in, but he missed a little bit of time there. Cam Curl, um, Cam Curl, who's a really underrated player on that Washington defense. Their starting safety didn't play, so like you know, <laughs> they didn't have their starting secondary. So that's certainly a factor in there. Um, but you know, that being said, like. This is a this is one of those build on games to me for yes. Jalen Rager. Like like if he okay he has this kind of game and if he goes out against the Giants and crushes it, well then like okay then that Washington game looks like the starting point of something promising coming here. But if he goes out against the Giants and has a, a performance like he did against the Giants in the first game, well then it doesn't really mean anything to me. Yeah, let's see him stack a few and then uh, we can really praise him up. But uh, uh, another guy that has gotten some you know has gotten some heat this year for his play and. You know, his lack of hustle at times. Fletcher Cox, best game of the season for him, in my opinion, by far. Sack and a half and timely sacks. I think I thought that sack at the end of the first half was a big one. Like Huge. Washington had a chance to put, you know, another three points on the board uh, before the half. And I think that sack really um, gave Eagles some momentum uh, heading into the locker room before the half. And uh, they came out, of course, at the uh, on the other side. They get the ball back. So, yeah, b- big game for Fletcher Cox. 
not only the second half, but uh, just all night long, he and Javon Hargrave were just collapsing the pocket all night. And actually, I I don't want to, you know, just go right to criticism here, but the edge rusher's got to do a better job getting around the corner and getting to the quarterback. Like Hargrave and Cox were giving them every opportunity to to clean up Garrett Gilbert in that game. And they just couldn't beat the offensive tackles on the edge. Like when you have guys just dominating on the interior and not allowing the quarterback to step up, like that's when edge rushers should be feasting and they just haven't been. Uh, but Cox and Hargrave, and we'll, we'll get to the Hargrave Pro Bowl snub uh, in uh, after the commercial break. But uh, th- those guys had a really good game. And if they can get that level of play at a fletch uh, the rest of the season, then, you know, that'll, that'll be really helpful for their, for their playoff chances. And to note here again, too, like I kind of did with Rager in the secondary, Washington was without Brandon Scherf, which is a really mm-hmm. big deal because he's their yep. best offensive lineman. He's an all-pro. Yeah, he's really good and specifically, you know, is capable of taking on Fletcher Cox by himself if, if need be. Um, and then they were down, you know, multiple starting centers. They're on like their mm-hmm. what, third string center at best. Um, so, you know, they took advantage of a weak matchup, but to their credit, they actually did it because yes. earlier in the year, there are times where they weren't doing that. So uh, absolutely. That's where they need Fletcher Cox to be. This is again, this is why the criticism was there. It wasn't, it wasn't ever that like, or I guess the way I'll frame it is like, the criticism was there because like you need your star player to play a guitar. And if he doesn't like that, that hurts. That's a big deal. Um, so to his credit, he is, uh, let's see, you know, if he can keep it hot down the stretch, we did. That's a really big deal for the defense. That's, that's the Fletcher Cox who has made an impact on the past and has like changed the course of a game. They did something, you know, really big, not just like you look at the box score at the end of the day and he's not very productive and you're like, well, he does things that don't show up on the box score. Well, like you kind of need the impact plays too that do show up and not just like the, you know, like decoy or extra attention or all that. So, uh, definitely good to see. Did you notice that Washington fans were, uh, Little little chirpier this week than uh, than normal. Why? Like after the fact, you're saying? Or no, before? like leading up to the game. Uh, yeah, with some, I think uh, I saw some at Hogshaven. Shout out that were uh, like making fun or you know talking about how I was whining or whatever. Because I put in a lot of my headlines that I wrote about the rescheduled game that like it was unnecessary. Like, like Washington puts more players on COVID list ahead of unnecessarily rescheduled game. Like he kept adding commentary to the headlines <laughs> yeah, to yeah, really yeah. kind of drive in how annoying it is. And they were like, Oh, unprofessional or some, some people were like that. So I guess I did notice. <laughs> yeah. I had written an article saying that the postponement was BS. I got a lot of email from, from their fans. Um, and you know, of course on Twitter, it's a cesspool. Uh, but you know, a lot of people chirping <laughs> at me there too. And like, and throughout the game and after the game as well. Um, normally that's a fan base that I feel like I know is very realistic about what their team and their organization is, but not this week. They're kind of fired up and, uh, you know, they had to watch a loss, I guess. I thought it was funny, by the way. They did. What did you make of the, uh, the, them bringing in their benches after? So it's a weird I look. I don't know if anyone, um, knew, like for for those of you that that don't know this, the Cowboys brought in their own benches uh, for their game against Washington week. I guess it would have been week fourteen uh, because yep. Washington's benches don't they're heated benches and they don't always work. So <laughs> the Cowboys brought their own, and Washington copied them. <laughs> <laughs> they had a copycat idea, and they brought their own benches into Philly. And then they left them behind after the game, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what did you what did you make of that? 
It's weird lame. to me that this is like <laughs> just becoming like a thing. Yeah, it is lame. Uh, RJ had fun with this on Blogging the Boys and wrote an article about like how the Cowboys or the football team just wants to be the Cowboys. Um, so didn't love that for their fodder. Uh, we actually had, Jimmy, a Washington fan, football team fan on the NFC's mixtape this week, former Survivor player Rick Devins. And he, to his credit, was very much realistic about the outlook <laughs> of that team. So credit to him in there. Um, but yeah. I mean, it was dumb. It was like, it's over, whatever. I was melting down on the last podcast about it, but it was so dumb in the end, right? Like we said that before the fact, it was dumb they're scheduling it and then they did and there was no point of it. Like what did it accomplish? What nothing. did it change? Literally like, nothing. It did nothing. There was like, I think Bo Wolf pointed out there was like one net player gained for Washington. Like when you kind of added out like the, the people they put on the list and the time that is rescheduled uh-huh. and the ones they got back. So like it didn't change. It didn't change anything. But also they lost quality because they lost all they're all pro player Brandon Scherf like he he yeah. would have played if it were if it were played on Sunday so it was actually right. like on quality it was a net loss yeah so it was it was dumb <laughs> it was stupid shouldn't have happened and the Eagles um, lost guys the Eagles lost Dillard and they lost Dickerson right and they got Quez back but um yeah uh, but that doesn't so, equate to those two guys it's a big loss for Washington too because like I think that's kind of their season now like I, I think like they really needed to win that they're done game. yeah they're done yeah. If they, if they won it, they would have like, it's kind of like the opposite of the Eagles situation. If the Eagles lost this game, they would have had like a 6% playoff chance, according to like 538. Mm-hmm. Instead, they won, they like 36%, 38%, somewhere in that range. I think Washington would have been like the opposite thing. Um, and now they have to play, you know, the Cowboys they're, this week. They're in they Dallas. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, cute little four game winning streak there, but, uh, you know, kind of crashed back to reality <laughs> here. And your That's franchise right. is still a joke and you suck. So, good job. <laughs> All right, that's all I got for segment one. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, why don't we take a break here? But before we do, let me tell you about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, which is a sponsor of BGN Radio. So uh, when you order some Righteous Felon Craft Jerky by going to RighteousFelonCraftJerky.com, no, sorry, it RighteousFelonOnly.com, and using discount code BGN15, for 15% off, you are not only helping support yourself by getting yourself great snacks, you're helping support BGN Radio, helping keep the lights on here, and you're also helping support a local business. So wins all around by going to rightdesellin.com and using discount code BGN15. And again, same discount code works at wildnaturepet.com if you already happen to have enough snacks for yourself, but you want some for your dog friend as well. And high-quality ones, I will add, uh, really good dog treats to get, top of the line. So Go do all that, and we will be back after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, 
And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Back here on BGN Radio 229, James. And there's some news to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nick Sirianni has COVID, uh, which is uh, not great. Um, so with Sirianni out, he's at a, actually at a hotel. He's not home. And with him out, if he's not ready to go for Sunday, then Kevin Petullo, passing game mm. coordinator, will take on the response like the like the game management type of responsibilities in game like challenging plays or go for situations, coin toss, that kind of stuff. Uh, while Shane Steichen, offensive coordinator, will call the plays. So. Those are the major changes. Jamal Singleton will take on additional responsibilities per Nick Sirianni. He did not get into specifically what that meant, uh, but that's essentially what the higher, the new hierarchy will be uh, for Sunday against the Giants if he's unable to return. I don't think it's a big deal, like at all. Do you? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, we saw like the Saints. You know, I mean, their offense wasn't great, but they beat the bucks without sean payton mm-hmm. you know and uh i think we've seen some other i think the the, the cardinals Mike had a big McCarthy win earlier game, didn't he yeah and then yeah yep and i think that was against the saints too and uh cowboys won that i think cliff kingsbury missed a game earlier this year or the cardinals won big maybe that's an upgrade i don't know um <laughs> but yeah i don't i don't i don't i don't think it's the biggest deal i mean it's not ideal i would say you know yeah. you want you want them in there the offense is sure. looking hot it, it's, it feels like it could only do damage the way things are going. Although I think I thought it was kind of interesting that Sirianni touched on this. And I believe this is not the first time. I think some people are saying this is the first time he really said this, but I feel like he kind of hinted at this earlier in the season where he said, like, he's kind of splitting the play calling duty mm-hmm. with Shane Steichen. Um, and it's not just like Nick is calling all of the plays. So did you make anything of that? Yeah, well, Rube, I remember asked, like, what does that mean? <laughs> or like, uh, you, you, where you say you're splitting or he, you, you kind of make call plays together. Um, I don't know what to make of that, really. I know that, uh, didn't you speak with like one of the Chargers, the bolts from the blue guys about yes. Steichen 
and they weren't so hot on like they didn't they didn't they didn't like the the Shane Steichen tenure uh, in San Diego slash L.A. Do you, what, they what were, did they say about that? They were quote relieved that that he left <laughs> to join the Eagles. Okay. Um, I th- I think some of the things they pointed to or some of the things I had seen were like I think he ran the ball a little too much, which hey, uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of funny. It's um, fine now. But, yeah, know, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, it's working for the Eagles, but you know, for the, the Chargers who had Justin Herbert, they would be in like second and nine and they're like running the ball. It's like, what are we doing? We have Justin Herbert. Like, why are you doing that? So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know that their frustrations necessarily apply here. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what it's, that's what it is. We'll see if he can return in time. Uh, there was other news on the Pro Bowl front. Jason Kelsey, as noted earlier, uh, no surprise makes his fifth Pro Bowl, I think. And Darius Slay makes his fourth. Pro Bowl. Darius Slay has been the best player on the defense, in my opinion, so far this year. Uh, really, really instrumental in three of their wins against the Panthers. He had two picks, I think, uh, yep. against the Broncos, where he had that you know ridiculous fumble return touchdown. Where you know, I remember being in the press box and being like, and you know, a few different people in the press box were like, well, just go down, go down. Yeah. <laughs> and he kept it alive, and then he wound up returning it for a touchdown. And then, of course, against the Saints. Uh, the pick six that he had uh, was was a huge play. So he has lived up to his quote unquote big play slay moniker. Uh, he did not live up to that in 2020. He has lived up to it in 2021. So uh, good to see those guys get in. Um, did you have any? Uh, I mentioned I thought like Javon Har Javon Hargrave was a snub. I mean his numbers are far far better than Kenny Clark who made it from uh, the Packers. Hargrave Hargrave's been awesome all year. I mean he was like spectacular the first four, five, six weeks of the season, you know, maybe um, cooled off a little bit statistically, but I, I don't think his play yeah. has been, has, has been, you know, bad. I think like he's still been disruptive uh, uh, against the pass and effective against the run. Um, so I thought he was a snub. You also make arguments for Mylotta, Lane Johnson, neither of whom were even alternates, I think, right? Those two guys. And uh, Jake Elliott, Jake Elliott, who is deserving of a Pro Bowl nod, but the guy that made it instead, also, every bit as deserving. Matt Gay, I think it was from the Rams. I think he's only missed one field goal this year, uh, one PAT. So, you know, Jake Elliott missed two field goals. One of them was blocked, and he's been perfect on his PAT so far this year. So, uh, deserving, uh, but didn't get in. Uh, anyone else for you? Um, so, on the Hargrave thing, I mean, I, I can get why he didn't just from the standpoint of he had that hot start with what, six sacks in the first five games. But then mm-hmm. he had the next, was it seven games, I believe, here? He had one sack, which was like the Daniel Jones gift of a sack, you know, like just going down on third down. And he had like four quarterback hits in that seven-game stretch too. So I know um, uh, he's been really good throughout, or, you know, he's had impact. And again, maybe more than the box score shows in those games. But like still, you know, I think that's – I think from – I'm just saying from an understanding it point, I, I think there's like some narrative here and the narrative could be, well, he got off to a really hot start, but he couldn't keep it going. Um, and also I tend to think too, uh, with the Pro Bowl, it's usually like a year late, right? Like usually like if, if Javon Hargrave has another year next year, like that's when he's going to get the recognition. Like it feels like it's always like one year behind. Uh, like in a, for example, it works the other way too. Like Fletcher Cox made the Pro Bowl last year. Yes, I didn't think last he year. deserved to make <laughs> the Pro Bowl. Of course not. Yeah. I yeah, was like, yeah. he was not a Pro Bowl player last year. <laughs> yes. Well, they caught up this year and he didn't make it. Um, especially cause he, you know, he wasn't really crushing it at the beginning of this year either. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think there is some of that. And also that was notable by the way that Cox didn't make it because I think he was at six consecutive before um this year and if he got to seven he would have tied reggie white 
for the all-time right? Eagles okay. longest streak. So that's kind of like a significant like mark he missed. Like that's a big deal. Um, <clears throat> so I thought that was a little interesting. And then on Kelsey, like <clears throat> I think you said it well earlier in the pod here, where for offensive linemen, I think a lot of times it's unfortunately just purely about like because you know there isn't like stats for an offensive lineman yeah. the way there's a receiver. It's just about like okay, how many All Pros, how many um pro bowls and all that and I, I don't know exactly off the top of my head where kelsey falls in that range for the centers but I, I know before like when people have talked about his case he's kind of been behind and i think that's unfortunate because part of that came from him getting recognized late like there are a couple years earlier on it's like why wasn't he in the pro bowl mm-hmm. well then he started to like get, finally get that recognition and i think there was a i forget what season he had but there's he kind of had like a down season was it 2016 or whatever like there's a season he like wasn't like I think he kind of got in based on the past year is the point, yeah, yeah, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, like he's been really great since. Um, and I think the way you, you highlight it as he do, th- he does things other centers either like can't or won't do. Um, and I think that strengthens his case and maybe it sounds silly, but like the hall of fame speech or not the hall of fame, the, uh, the super bowl speech yes. also should like be working in his favor. Like, the, all that is part <laughs> of it. It's, it's all cause I think. Uh, the way my you know my enemy RJ has put it sometimes is like, can the story of the NFL be told without this player? I think it's kind of like an interesting way to think about okay. the Hall of Fame, and I don't think it can be if Jason Kelsey is missing in there. The Eagles Super Bowl win, him having that iconic moment, him being this unique player, and I mean, who knows? Like maybe you know, it seems like Jason Kelsey definitely going to be gone after this year, but like it continues to play at a high level. Maybe not. The Eagles, yeah. Yeah, like maybe he does come back and maybe gets another Pro Bowl next. Like this might even be length because he's not slowing down. Like he's get he's constantly hurt and he's but he's battling through. So I don't know. I think he is definitely a Hall of Famer though. Shouldn't be shouldn't even be a question. Yeah, I think he's already in. Um, and you're right. Like I, he was a major character in the uh, in, when you look at that Eagles season and their Super Bowl win and the speech. You know, the speech was so great. <laughs> like thinking back on it. Where, you know, they said he couldn't do this. He couldn't do that. Nelson Aguilar can't catch. What's funny, too, is like a lot of the things that he said were 100% true. Yeah. <laughs> like, Lane like, can't stay off Nigel Bradham can't catch. Like, yeah, he couldn't catch. Well, yeah. of course yeah. he couldn't. So, yeah. uh, and then like, well, the, the funniest part of that speech to me, by the way, when he was like, they put Howie in the bunker. Yeah, well, it was Jeffrey Lurie who put him in the bunker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeffrey Lurie was standing like right next standing to him. standing right next to him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah anyway uh, uh well well done by the voters to you know get him into the pro wall though obviously it was a no-brainer for him all right uh looking forward to eagles giants uh kind of like last week it's hard to even like put together i keep saying like and that that reader that said that we say like too much is really in my head right now. Well, they didn't say so. <laughs> we say like too much necessarily. He counted they the just number of likes. It out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, but now it's still in my head, and I've and I've noticed it like several times throughout the podcast. Now you're I doing it like, right now, and I'm doing it right now. Uh, Eagles Giants is a lot like the Eagles Washington game a week ago when it's hard to like even put like it's hard to put together almost. Um, like a five matchups to watch kind of thing for them because there are just so many players that are out. And for Washington, it was the COVID list. The Giants have like 16 to 20 guys on their injured reserve right now, uh, including Daniel Jones, 
there was some debate whether uh, Mike Glennon will start a quarterback for them. Three touchdowns, seven interceptions on the season for them. Uh, he's appeared in four games. They lost all four of them. Uh, or Jake Fromm, who is their third stringer. It looks like Fromm is going to be the starter for them. But what do, we, what do we even know about him? Like, I remember him in college, but beyond that, I, I have, like, there's really no good info on him. Basically, they're screwed is, is the bottom line. That team sucked when they played the Eagles a few weeks ago, and the Eagles just sucked more in that mm-hmm. game, and they wound up with a loss. But let's, like, let's not get it twisted. They did not play well. They look like crap. They're a terrible team, and they're not even – like, say what say what you will about Daniel Jones. If, if you don't like Daniel Jones, it's fine, whatever. But they're a lot worse without him than they are with yeah. him. So they're in big trouble uh, the rest of the season. I don't know if they're going to win another game. And this should be uh, another easy win uh, for the Eagles as long as they can take care of business. Yeah, and the game is at home too. Um, you, you know, have home field advantage, which they didn't have in the Giants stadium, not only because like – I mean, that's obvious. It's the opposing stadium, but it seemed like there were a decent amount of Giants fans at that game. Um, you know, because it's Straight Hands retirement ceremony and everything. I don't know if that brought people out or whatever, but, uh, yeah, so everything is working in their favor. Um, you can't even say it's a trap game because you already lost to this team. Like, you can't, yes. how do you overlook this team? Like, and it's on a short week. Like, I don't, I don't know, uh, you know, how you could really mess it up other than, Turning the ball over four times, like he did in the last game. <laughs> they still uh, almost won. It's crazy. I know. I know. They should that's that's my thing with always that game. Like you can say Hertz had him in at the end, but like, okay, they should not have been in position. Uh yeah, I think Jake Fromm, you know, he hasn't even been with the Giants. Like he isn't a guy like he isn't this isn't a guy that like they've been developing behind the yeah. scenes, like Nate Sudfeld. Like he only like joined the team because they had some some issues at quarterback, uh, and they needed more depth there. So uh when did they get him? I, I know, know he was with the Bills. But. It's the Bills as a fifth round pick, I believe, and then the Bills cut him. And he, I think he was just out there for a while before um, they signed him, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, only fairly recently, so they signed that's their him. Starting quarterback December first off the Bills practice squad. So Three the weeks, Eagles. Yeah. So they they got to face Garrett Gilbert after the uh, after Washington signed him off of New England's practice squad. Uh, f- like four days prior, and now they're going to get the face from, uh, I guess, what's the game, the 26th? You know, three, four weeks after they signed him off the Bills practice squad. And I know that you like to point out sort of the list of quarterbacks that they've beaten so far this year. Uh, I'll just run through that list real quick. Week one, Matt Ryan. Week five, uh, Sam Darnold. Week eight, Jared Goff. Week 10, Teddy Bridgewater. Week 11, Trevor Simeon. Week 13, Zach Wilson. Week 15, Garrett Gilbert. So uh, Jake Fromm is uh, – the Eagles can take care of business again. He will join that craptastic list of terrible quarterbacks. I mean, Matt Ryan is obviously uh, – has had a great career. I think he's still okay. Uh, but beyond well, him – and Teddy well, Bridgewater is like okay-ish. But beyond those two guys, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the rest of that list, holy – I mean, good Lord. Just, it's terrible. I mean – like okay, even if you want to say that about Matt Ryan, the Falcons are like forty or thirty second in DVOA. Like you know, they're they're, they're trash. Like <laughs> yes. they're terrible. Um, so yeah, it's not a good list. I do think like that's my this that's where I think I ultimately come with on or come down on on Jalen Hurts. Like I think he's good enough to help you beat these quarterbacks, but like I just don't know if he is to help you beat the actually good ones. So you're kind of just 
stuck in the middle well, there somewhere. Yeah, I mean, for, forget the forget Jalen Hurts on that though. I mean, just they they, they don't have any. Well, the wins Eagles as over. a whole. Yeah, yeah, the Eagles as a whole just haven't beaten anyone, and it's not their fault that they faced all these bad quarterbacks. You got to play who you face, but it would be yeah. nice to see them, you know, beat somebody actually, <laughs> some actual good yeah. quarterback. You know. That's that's I think part of the, again the value of them actually making the playoffs, getting that opportunity. Because um, I don't I don't even know if we can count on the Dak game the way Dak is playing recently. Like he's not playing well, so like maybe you beat him and that looks good on paper, but like I don't know, it doesn't seem like he's full Dak right now. I mean, their defense it. is good right now, though. Yeah, well, Crazy yeah, you would take good. that. Yeah, but um, not to say it's a meaningless win, but it's just like I still want to see the top quarterback anyway. Uh. Yeah, but you have to give them credit to some extent because the Jets can't do this, the Jaguars can't do this. Mm-hmm. You know, like like these teams at the bottom, the Giants, they can't do this. So it's not just like literally any team can do this because they can't. The Eagles are certainly above that, but you know, you kind of just wonder how good are they. Um, and from I don't know if you saw him play at all. I, I watched a little bit of him uh, at the end of that game. He did look a little bit more competent than Mike Lennon, which isn't saying much. I guess Dallas, I you mean? Yeah, okay. in, in week 15 here. Like, he should be the starter for them because playing Mike Glennon just doesn't even make any sense, yes. right? Like, he's, he's older and he clearly sucks. I never got why people liked him. I remember, like, people liked him a little <laughs> bit when he came out in the draft. And I was like, I, I don't get it. I yeah. just don't understand it at all. Um. Anyway, and geez, man, remember, like, Ryan Pace signed him to a big contract at one point? And well, they have uh, like a long history of just acquiring trash at quarterback. I mean, Trubisky, Trubisky. obviously, um, a bad version of Foles. Nick Foles. Uh, they traded for oh, they traded for Foles. Um, but yeah, they they had it on like three different levels. They they signed bad quarterbacks in. And Glennon was the example. They traded for, I don't want to call Nick Foles a bad quarterback being in Philadelphia here, <laughs> but you know, at that time in his career, you know, not, not a good idea for them to trade for Nick Foles. And then of course the, the drafting of Trubisky was a disaster and Justin Fields trading up for him so too. far isn't looking so, uh, so great either, but oh, also know. trading up for him as well. <laughs> yes. I mean, <laughs> like the trade ups for those. And the trade up for Trubisky, like they're, they're picking third. They moved up yeah, one spot no and they gave up a lot to move up that one spot. So to not get sniped basically is why they did that, right? Like <laughs> yes. that's, that's the only reason you do that because you're afraid another team was going to jump there. And that's also, uh, of course, the year that, uh, Mahomes and yeah, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, Watson got picked. So Good I mean, job. that's, I mean, th- so we, you know, Philadelphia fans bitch about Justin Jefferson over Rager. Well, that's not on the yeah. same level. Sean yeah. Watson or Patrick Mahomes over uh, over Mitch Trubisky. This is always my argument too. Why I think Justin Fields is overrated. Like you're you're sure this guy is definitely good. Like you're sure of it. You're sure like Ryan Pace, who can't you know scout a quarterback seemingly the same as save his life is like you know definitely got it right this time. Okay, we'll see. It's funny uh, you say that anyway. because I like Justin Fields, but when he got taken by specifically sure. by the Bears, I was like, oh, okay, maybe I got that yep. wrong. <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, you're like, hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah. So there's, it's not a lot of juice with this Giants game, obviously. Right. I mean, they're missing a ton of players. Uh, it seems like they're just playing out the string. Um, the defense has been solid, right? Like, hasn't been falling apart. Like, they can kind of like hang on on that end. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can't score. They, they can't have score good players. Like, lives. Leonard Williams is a good defensive lineman. Uh, James Bradbury is a good corner. I guess Blake Martinez is a good linebacker, but he's out, so you know doesn't even apply. 
But yeah, they, I mean, they're they're decent enough on deep offense. They have they just have nothing. Saquon Barkley looks nothing like what he used He's to terrible. look like. Kenny Galladay, disaster offseason signing for them. By the way, what was it? Four years, seventy two million, eighteen looks million a year. Out. He's done nothing for them. Uh, Sterling Shepard, I think, is done for the year now. Uh, they, they, they just have all kinds of problems. And their, their offensive line has been terrible for a long time and no different this year. Tony looked really intriguing in that first Cowboys game mm-hmm. and just hasn't like been on COVID, been injured, just inconsistent, like just totally kind of just like a lost season for him after looking like really crazy promising in one game. Um, he might play this week. That's unclear just yet. Um I think you mentioned he's still on the COVID list, but I think he's kind of coming back off of that. So we'll see. Uh, but even if he does, I mean, this is kind of like what I said about the Washington game last week, even prior to reschedule. It's like, if you lose this game, then like, well, like what are we doing here? Like someone should get fired almost. It's yeah. like, it's an unforgivable loss, especially because you already lost to the Giants. So you can't even play like the weird things happen. It's a division game. You know, sometimes things, it's the NFL. You can't, no, it doesn't fly this time. Like you already lost this team. Like you have to get it done. And if you don't, then you just should be like, like destroyed like, like what, what can you say what could you possibly how could you possibly excuse this as a loss there's like nothing that you there's no good excuse you could come up with yeah at least washington had some nice things going for them like their defensive line is very good still they have terry mclaren they have antonio gibson like so they guys that could make plays and some of those and mclaren did make a play antonio gibson less so um, Montez Sweat, you know, had the sack fumble, of course. So they, those guys did make Johnson plays. Johnson Allen had a big sack too. Giants don't have anything like that. <laughs> Giants really are just they, there's very little to find on their roster that you can feel that you can feel good about if you're a Giants fan. On that note, RJ asked me on the mixtape this week, who, like, if you're a Giants fan and you're opening like a, a present on Christmas Day, like, and it's a jersey, like, whose jersey are you hoping it is <laughs> for a current roster? It can't be yeah. former. It has to be someone on the current roster, like. Who is it? <laughs> who would it be? Like who? It's got to be Bradbury, player? I guess. But that's it. Uh, I guess. But like, that's not. There's not like a lot Nothing of nothing exciting like, there. Yeah, exciting. It's like okay, this is fine. It's not <laughs> terrible, but like, not like, hey, everyone, look at my new James Bradbury jersey that I got. <laughs> like, he, he was really good last year. He hasn't even been, you know, the same right yeah. kind of player this season. So, yeah, I said Leonard Williams because I think 99 is a good number. But even so, like, again, not a whole lot of juice there. Uh, I mean. I don't even know who you'd pick offensively. Uh, so, Saquon, the Giants maybe, going but... But not if you're, like, paying attention. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, and you probably already have it if you like him enough. Yeah. It's tough. Tough out there. Um, <laughs> I like that question by RJ. Well done. It, it is. Uh, you know, he's a good moment once in a while. Uh, why don't we take a break here and get into our picks? But before we do, Jimmy... Uh, I am looking to buy, rent, oh. or sell Ooh. a house. Oh. So can you help me out? Oh, yeah. Kristen I'm Roach. not actually looking to do this, by the way. Just she's, behind, she's in the bathroom behind me, I think. Hey, Kristen Roach! No. Maybe not. Uh, 856-906-9295. Again, 856-906-9295. If, like Brandon, you're looking to buy or sell your home, Kristen Roach, Roach Realtors, uh, com. call her up or text her with appropriateness, please. Thank you. Brandon. <laughs> Jeez. I, I, I always feel uncomfortable that you have to <laughs> include that in there. Um, one question though, Jimmy. Yes. Uh, so is she only licensed in New Jersey? I feel like people might. Yes, to- she okay. is, but we have, but I shouldn't say we, 
uh, you know, she has realtors that she knows works with, et cetera, that she can point you in the right direction. If you Elsewhere. don't already know somebody in PA. Yes. Gotcha. Uh, what about Delaware? Uh, same thing. <laughs> okay. So, you know, just trying to get it all covered. Um, so yeah, there you go. Uh, if you have a question, it can't hurt, right? It's, it's free to contact her, right? You can exactly. contact her and see if she, so just give it a shot. All right. Back after this. Kristen Rocha, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours. Kristen Rocha, Roach Real Tours. She's the greatest. 856-906-9295. Back here on BGN Radio for a final segment jimmy it is time for nfl picks against the spread and you are 36 and 39 i am right. 40 and 35 we both went four and two last week eagles almost covered that minus 11 that i took that was way too big and also was kind of before some of the the foofy stuff that happened with all that team <laughs> so i still honored it yeah. i went with what we went by stayed true to form uh, I was proud of my Colts pick because the Colts were favorite, and I thought that was a fishy line. And I was like, there has to be a reason for this. It's not going to be as simple as the Patriots getting the points and covering. So good job by me. Um, bad job by Carson Wentz, who, by the way, uh, I think I mentioned this to stats on the podcast this week, that if he took away that BS touchdown pass he had, that was Yeah, really it was a sick. handoff. Yeah. Yeah, handoff. <laughs> he had like a ninth or like a, a something, a pass rating in the teens. Like he was terrible in that game. And he, and he got lucky because there were two yeah. dropped interceptions. It could have been way so, worse. So anyway, um, and then you were nine and five straight up with your Eagles picks. I'm ten and four. Okay. Uh, we have six games to talk about. Let's get into it. We'll start with the Thursday night football matchup. 49ers are three point favorites at the Tennessee Titans, Jimmy. And this is kind of important for two ways for the Eagles. Mm -hmm. The Eagles have two interest, rooting interests in this one. One is rooting for the 49ers to lose. Probably going to make the playoffs anyway, but. I mean, at least you give yourself more of a chance and at least more of a chance maybe at the sixth seed if they lose instead of the seventh seed. We'll see. And then the Titans winning is critical because the Eagles do not want to see the Colts get a home playoff game and win the AFC South. The Titans already have the tiebreaker there. But if the Titans win tonight against the 49ers and then the Colts lose this week, then the Titans would officially clinch the division. And that's what the Eagles want to see. So who do you have in this game? There was one time where the Titans had a three-game lead over the Colts plus the head-to-head -head sweep over them. And that lead has dwindled. They're only up one game on them. And uh, they got to win this game, <laughs> in my opinion. Yep. Or, I mean, that 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 divisional cushion, that they, it's gone completely. And they only have the head-to-head -head advantage, assuming the Colts win this week, too, which may, they may not. But I have the 49ers in this game. 49ers, mm. like, I, I've not liked them for most of this year. But they are proving me wrong. They have – they're on a hot streak. What have they won? I think, like, five of six games. Um, they played really well in those games. So, credit where it's due. Like, they, they've kind of turned their season around. And, um, yeah, I'm going to take them to, to beat Tennessee in this game. Uh, Tennessee has a lot of injuries, most notably Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry might be back week 18 if they need him, but uh, it looks like he'll at least be back reportedly uh, for the playoffs. And Tennessee is going to be in the playoffs almost certainly. So that'll be a big boost to them if they get him back for the playoffs. But for now, they're kind of limping toward the finish line here. So give me the 49ers. I'll take the 49ers as well. Uh, it's kind of not – 
identical maybe to the, what the Eagles have done, but similar in that the 49ers really just started leaning on their run game a lot mm-hmm. and being like, hey, this is what we do well. This is what we're going to do. Obviously, uh, they did it in a little bit a different way, and they're getting like their, one of their best wide receivers involved in the running game in, in Debo, Debo Samuel, who's just an awesome player. Um, so it's working for them. I agree that the Titans stock is not so great right now coming off this loss to the Steelers too. Um, just it's tough to feel super confident in the Titans. It feels like they might be a little bit like the next team we're going to talk about or one of the next two teams we're going to talk about and the Cardinals who just like they peaked too soon. Like they <laughs> yes. were looking good, but it's kind of fizzling out. So oh, one more uh, thing on the 49ers too. You mentioned yep. Debo Samuel. So Debo Samuel, George Kittle. And by the way, Brandon Ayuk is starting to play a lot better now. Um, those three guys yeah. are they're all three of them are great uh after the after the catch like they all get they all, they gobble up yards after the catch they break tackles so the combination of their run game working and then their receivers breaking tackles makes like life super easy for Jimmy Garoppolo you can just throw short passes to these guys and they're they're going to break tackles and make plays and you got the run game working behind it too so um I'm not a Jimmy Garoppolo fan at all who I don't is? think he's like I don't think he's it in any way. But when you give them all these weapons and a good offensive line, they can make that work. Maybe and the 49ers aren't a Jimmy Garoppolo fan either. At the end of the day, like <laughs> yes. in the long term, <laughs> considering they traded up for Trey Lance, even though they're not playing him, uh, I think Shiel, our good friend Shiel Kapati, has put it well with that. Where like Jimmy G is clearly not like close to being a top five quarterback, let alone like top 10, whatever. Yeah. Um, but the 49ers happen to be a top five offense like with it. So that's kind of a hard thing to reconcile. And I think that's, again, there's kind of a parallel there to the Eagles where like Jalen Hurts is very much not a top five, right. think, top 10 kind of quarterback, but the Eagles can have this top offense somehow with him. So I think that's interesting. There's seventh um, DVOA, the Eagles in offense, by the way, I think. There you go. So they have a chance to to be top five by the end of the year. Which is crazy given the talent and i think (laughs) that again speaks to some of the value of hertz his mobility and everything Mm -hmm. but also on a larger point just nick sirianni getting the most out of talent that is not elite really they don't have other than dallas goddard and the offensive line sure but like the skill players are not you know just they're not amazing it's not like the 49ers like you just mentioned there yeah uh next game we have staying in the afc south the colts are actually underdogs one point Mm -hmm. uh favorites against the Cardinals in the desert. I like the Colts. I'm going to take the Colts, not because of Carson Wentz, who I clearly don't believe in, but I, I believe that I know Aaron Rodgers is right here with him, and it's you know going to be tough for Jonathan Taylor because he's a running back, but man, is he freaking good. Like He has, I think I said it, uh, and I think you've pointed this out too, Joe Mixon is like second in the NFL in carries, Yeah, and he only has like eight fewer than... Jonathan Taylor, but Jonathan Taylor is like 424 more yards. Like that's <laughs> yes. insane. And and he and to me, Colts wouldn't be sniffing the playoffs if they didn't have Jonathan Taylor. Like he is the huge reason why they're in the position that they are right now. So I'm gonna take the Colts because I believe in Jonathan Taylor and I don't believe in Kyler Murray, who's really been struggling uh since the injury, especially and even a little bit before that. And I don't don't trust the Cardinals as a whole. Maybe it's like a bounce back game after losing to the Lions, but I don't know, man. Like they know me like lose to the Lions. They got blown out by the Lions. So I'm taking the Colts with the 30 one point. to 12. I think they lost to the Lions. Uh, I only saw whatever they showed of that game on the red zone channel. I just parked myself in front of the red zone channel all day on Sunday. So I didn't see the whole game. I don't know exactly what happened in that, but the Lions were beating them from start to finish. 
pretty handily. <laughs> like they, that game was never in doubt uh, for the Lions. Like the, the Cardinals never really even made it interesting. And they lost the, the week prior to that too, to the Rams. Like there was a time when the Cardinals looked like they were just going to completely run away with the NFC West. And now it's, they're tied with, with the Rams. Uh, I guess right now the Cardinals would have the tiebreaker on uh, divisional records. They split with the Rams this year. But, you know, watching these last three games between those two teams, it's going to be interesting. Cardinals choked down the stretch last year, too. They looked like they were almost certain to be a wild card, and uh, they lost their last two games, did not get into the playoffs. So late season, they have some answers to – they have some, you know, questions to answer here uh, down the stretch. And, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, the Colts are just playing too well right now. Jonathan Taylor is awesome. And their defense is fast and swarming – I really like that roster a lot. Um, of course, we joke every year or every or every podcast, rather, where Jonathan Taylor has a long run and people go, oh, Carson Wentz is back, baby! <laughs> and uh, yeah, he winds up going. Well, let me see his stats real quick. We mentioned him earlier. It was 5 of five 12, 12. 5 of 12, 57 yards. Again, with the BS touchdown <laughs> pass in there, too. <laughs> One touchdown, which is basically a handoff. And uh, one interception should it could not that should have been three, but could have been three. So the only three twelve, the only three twelve passes almost got picked three times and uh, only completed five passes. At the end of that game, Frank Reich wanted no parts of him throwing the ball. Yeah. Like, and people say, well, why would you throw it when you have Jonathan Taylor? Well, I mean, there were certainly game situation scenarios where nine times out of ten you're throwing the ball, and they just didn't throw it with him because they didn't trust him. And uh, they wind up, you know, picking up the win uh, over New England on the strength of that last long, I think it was like a 70 yard run uh, by Jonathan Taylor to ice that game. But yeah, I mean, they could have, it was pretty clear to me that Frank Reich did not want to trust Carson Wentz in any way with that game. I don't think they're going to do it, but like the Colts should be in the quarterback market this offseason. Like, why not? Why not them make a run at Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers? Can you imagine the Colts with Aaron Rodgers? Oh, my like, God. Yeah, I mean, they probably Super Bowl geez. favorites. Yeah, like that, or even if they could get Russ, like you know, I don't know. I feel like they should, they should be looking for a quarterback. I, I hadn't thought um, about that, but that's 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 a pretty interesting thought because they they would be awesome with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, I thought they should have. I I thought they should have gotten uh, Stafford. I thought that's you know a bigger play they should have mm-hmm. made for instead of Carson Wentz in yeah. the off season. I thought that would be really good for them. Um, anyway, moving on to the team that Matthew Stafford is on right now. Smith Trezins isn't here. The Rams are three-point favorites at the Vikings. The Vikings will be without Dalvin Cook, potentially, because he just was put on the COVID list. Um, and the Vikings also coming off short rest from having played on Monday Night Football against the Bears. Rams are three-point favorites. Rams are looking better recently. And a Rams win would be very helpful to the Eagles, who are trying to get ahead of the Vikings, who are currently at the number seven spot in the NFC playoff picture. And the Vikings will have that tiebreaker very likely over the Eagles. Right now, it's because of common games. But even if that evens out, um, the Eagles will be down in strength of victory. So uh, it would be really big for the Rams to get a win here and help the Eagles out. Do you think they're going to do it? I fell asleep during the Vikings-Bears game. Uh on Monday night. I tried to, I wanted to watch. I tried to watch, couldn't do it. And I fell asleep and I woke up. It was like the, like I think it was just wrapping up. Uh, so that game was very boring apparently, <laughs> but do I think the Rams are going to catch the Cardinals? Uh, was your question? Y- yeah, I do think there's, I think the Cardinals are going to lose at least one more game. Uh, I have them losing this week. I probably will have them losing next week uh, to the Cowboys. 
so yeah, I think the Rams are going to win this division and I think they're going to win this game uh, this week against a Vikings team that is, I mean, uh, Alexander uh, Madison is a nice backup, but he's not Dalvin Cook and uh, that Vikings, the Vikings are such a weird team because they have some, like a few decent wins, but they have some really bad losses. Like they're, that's, they're the other team that lost to the Lions. So yeah, I just don't, I just, I can't trust them in any way. And the Rams had like a weird slump in the, in the middle of the season. They seem to be past that now they've been playing better. Uh, so I, I trust them a little bit more in this game than, than Minnesota. Workshopping this idea here, you kind of just mentioned about, you know, the Cardinals choking down the stretch last year. And if only there was a good example of a, like a quarterback choking in some key spots late in the year who happened to play for the Vikings in Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Maybe Cliff Kingsbury is the Kirk Cousins of coaches. Okay. Um, you know, like kind of like this guy, like, oh, actually he's good. You know, there's some wins. Like there's some things you can point to. But when push comes to shove in the most crucial moments, it's not a guy you're betting on. And I agree with you. I am taking the Rams as well because – the Vikings and Kirk Cousins, and historically, the litmus test is just like, you know, if it's a good team, it's going to beat them. And if they're not, or sorry, other way around, if they're a good team, not going to beat them. If they're a bad team, he is. So I think the Rams are playing well right now. I'll take the Rams to cover the three-point spread. We head now, Jimmy, to the Monday night football game, skipping ahead a little bit here. Uh, before we get to the two division games that are left, the Dolphins are one and a half point favorites at the Saints, and I feel like you want to break down are they? why. Because I saw the Saints were like, weren't they three point favorites? Well, Jimmy, or, I don't or, know if you saw this news, news today, huh? but okay, yeah, Ian Book will be starting presumably at quarterback Ooh. for the Saints because Taysom Hill went on the COVID list, where hmm. I believe Trevor Simeon is also still or not available. So, and he's already uh, ruled out. Like, I mean, so not he, officially ruled out, you know, okay. because. You know, there's enough time in theory that he could test out of the, but you know, not looking good if he's going yeah. on on a Thursday and the, the window there is not so super big. So, uh, it could be Ian Book starting for the Saints. Yeah, that's not great. I had the, <laughs> I, I had the Dolphins winning this game before that news even came out because Taysom Hill is not an NFL quarterback. Like, let's be real. <laughs> I mean, they beat the, they, they swept the, the Buccaneers. Of course, they, they completed the season sweep of the Buccaneers last week, but offensively, they, I think they, they, I don't remember the exact number. I think it was 212 yards they gained total in that game. They didn't score a touchdown. They shut out the, the Buccaneers. They won nine nothing. It was on, like you said, it was three field goals. So they're not like fixed or anything like that. They're played a hell of a defensive game, obviously, but they haven't done that. And they've had some like we, they've, they've also beaten some really good teams this year. They've had really Packers. good teams, but, but they have been so, insanely uh inconsistent and this Miami team is on quite a run right now they've won six in a row look legit their defense has played really really well Tua hasn't looked great but he's looked a lot better than he did early in the season and um yeah I I think this Miami run is gonna just kind of keep chugging along and this is obviously a super interesting game from the Eagles perspective because a Dolphins loss is good for the Eagles uh draft positioning Whereas a Saints loss is good for their uh, postseason chances, uh, but I have the Dolphins winning this game, um, and which will of course help the Eagles' playoff chances. Um, Saints are a really big threat to them. Uh, the Eagles hold the tiebreaker over them, of course, if it's head to head because on the strength of their win over them earlier this year. But the Saints' schedule is super easy the rest of the way. They have Dolphins this week, and then 
Do you remember offhand who they have weeks 17 and 18? I think it's the Panthers are in uh, there and the Falcons. Panthers and then Falcons. Yeah. Yeah, And I think uh, one of those games is at home. So they still have two home games because the the Dolphins game is also at home for them. So, yeah, they're a big threat to the Eagles. If the Eagles lose, then um, not a great chance that – well, I guess before the – I mean, if the the Saints win out and and the Eagles don't, then Saints are going to be ahead of them. Duh. But yeah. but uh yeah they they they're just not yeah. a team that I think is very good. The Saints like one win over the Buccaneers I think is is probably skewing opinions of what they actually are and they actually aren't very good. I like this Dolphins team to to win with or without Taysom Hill. Yeah, it's tough. I I mean I think Ian Book could be an upgrade though cuz you know Taysom Maybe. Hill has not been very good as a passer especially mm-hmm. so like I'm not counting on that because I don't I don't know a ton about Ian Book and from what I have read about him, not, you know, known to be the best passer, but just again, kind of from like basically the same principle of, and this hasn't played out this way, but like Jason Garrett being fired as the Giants offensive coordinator, it's like bring in the next person because they can, <laughs> there's a potential they could be better. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the unknown just, is better know. than what we know this guy stinks, you know, <laughs> exactly. So I think, you know, that kind of makes me wonder. I, this is tough for me. Um, I think I'm, mm, I think I'm gonna, it's not, it's not really interesting if we just make all the same picks. So I'm gonna have to go with one different here. I think I'm just gonna take the Saints because I think that defense is legitimately really, really good. And I think you hit on it with Tua hasn't been amazing. And like, I think this Dolphins run has to come at an end at some point. Like they're one and seven. And all of a sudden they're what? They're seven and seven? Like, it's gonna keep winning? I, I feel like they could be due to stumble. Um, the game is in New Orleans. Again, that defense, is tough. They can make it close. I will take the points. Do I feel amazing about it? No, but, and I don't feel amazing about the Saints if they do make the playoffs, but I do think, like you said, because the, the Panthers freaking suck so much and the Falcons freaking suck so much. I know they beat Saints already, but like just because of the other teams on the schedule, I think the Saints could potentially win out, which would be so weird if they had 10 wins. They're not like a 10 win team, but uh, I think it's possible, um, which would not be good for the Eagles. So that brings us to the football team at Dallas Cowboys game, Jimmy, and the Cowboys are 10 and a half point favorites against Washington. Yeah. I mean, the Cowboys, I mean, really outplayed them a couple of weeks ago when the, when Washington had their full version of their team, um, they made it interesting late. They got that weird uh, interception return for, for a touchdown. Uh, that game, you know, got close in the end, but ultimately the final score of that game, which I think it was 27 to 20, something like that. Uh, it was it wasn't that close, and um, the Cowboys are now going to be facing a. I mean, who knows how many of these guys Washington's going to get back between now and they Sunday. got Heineke back. They did get Heineke back. Okay, so but uh, as far as the rest of them, you know, we'll we'll see. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> Dallas is so much better than this team. It's not even close, and I uh, don't need to overthink this one. Cowboys for me, uh, and I think they cover. I think the Cowboys win. I think the cover is a little tough just because their offense hasn't exactly been firing in all cylinders. But, I mean, the defense, you know, caused a lot of issues for Washington before, and that might be good for, like, a turnover or two. So uh, that might be good enough to cover. I will take the Cowboys to cover. And, unfortunately, that will clinch the NFC East for them, which, you know, has already been a foregone conclusion for a, a bit now. But still, you know. Not the most ideal thing. And not only, you know, the NFC East, but they're currently in the two seed in the mm-hmm. NFC playoff picture. And that is not very great. Um, although it is aging well for my Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl take, which <laughs> I am not looking forward to. But I do think if the way they're playing right now, they're not going to win a championship. But again, the way this defense is playing, I think, is buying time for Dak and the offense to kind of maybe find something. And if they can hit it at the right time, then I think they're going to be pretty dangerous in the playoffs, which I know they always choke in the playoffs and they're not good, but 
again, if the offense reignites and the defense maybe not stays at this level, but it shows that it can be like competent at least, it's not going to get skewered, then, you know, they're going to be they're going to be a tough team. I mean, they're going to have as good of a shot as anyone, right? Like I mean, I guess you could say less than the Packers, but like outside of them. So their defense is so good right now with DeMarcus Lawrence being back, Randy Gregory playing well, Michael Parsons basically a defensive player of the year candidate, Trayvon Diggs, defensive player of the year candidate. If they're and their offense we all we all know is super talented and as you said, they're not they're not playing well right now, but they certainly have the capability to play right now, to, to play really well. They put it all together. It's the best team in the league. Potentially like the chiefs, in my opinion, are right now the best team in the league. And they're kind of in the same bucket as the Cowboys right now. And that their defense is playing right well. And their, their offense isn't playing up to their capabilities. And if they do watch out, but so the Cowboys are kind of like my NFC version of the chiefs right now, just without the success, (laughs) the the past success Uh, Packers, by the way, uh, they're plus 57, I think plus uh, point differential. It's one point better than the Eagles. Like, and I, I went and I looked at all the all the uh, point differentials for the one seeds over the last 15 years. And I think the lowest one was plus 115. So it would be like a real anomaly if they earn the one seed with a point differential around where it is right now at plus 57. So they're not really like this super scary team. To, like they're... 11 and three, and we're used to seeing them win 11, 12, 13, 14 games every year. But they're not some special. They obviously, Aaron Rodgers having a great year, but this is that's not really a, a great team. The NFC is wide open. And by the way, I think that's there's a point to be made here. There are some who think I that 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 I think have the perception that the Eagles are like a long way away from contending. Well, are they really that much worse than these other teams in the NFC? Because it's really not great competition right now. I don't think they're like super. Well, honestly, in the NFL, for the most part, most teams are never super away just because of the parity of the league. Yeah. Like, you know, unless you're the exception, like the Jags or the Jets, you know. like Yeah, the other way it works that way for sure. Like there are um, teams that are super, like really, really horrible. But you're right. Like the separation at the top isn't quite the same uh, from like, you know, a middling team like the Eagles. Yeah. I mean, the the thing, the place you just don't want to be in the NFL is where I believe you don't want to be in sports is like stuck in the middle in terms Mm -hmm. of like, like committed to like, you know, quarterback, like at the middle where you're just never going to get like above that. I mean, I guess you can kind of hope you get lucky and you have a strong year, but it doesn't seem like the best uh, range to be in. But like you said, there's a lot of parity. So yeah, that's not great. I was thinking today, it popped in my head the thought of a Colts Cowboys Super Bowl, which would just be, <laughs> I think, a nightmare. I mean, I mean, I think at the end of the day, people are rooting for the Colts because they don't want to see the Cowboys win. But like, that's going to be annoying if Carson Wentz, you know, is in the, the you know the, the season after the Eagles trade him too. I mean, that would not not be annoying. Uh, no, anyway. That would get talked about forever if he won. Yeah. If he won a Super Bowl, that would never ever ever go away. That's kind of, by the way, like when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, that was a matchup nightmare for the rest of the NFC because nobody likes to see the Patriots win. And then the alternative is the team that they want to be able to say has never won a Super Bowl for eternity. And then they've, mm-hmm. you know, they, that, that, you know, that, uh, you know, sort of jab at, at the Eagles out the window. Final game, Jimmy. We have the oh, awesome taking the Cowboys, by the way. Uh, 
Giants at the Eagles. The Eagles are 10-point favorites. Wait, did you, are you taking them to cover, or are you just taking them to win? To cover. Okay. Uh, we have all the same picks, except I have the Saints plus one and a half. <laughs> okay. uh, Giants at Eagles. The Eagles are 10-point favorites. I mean, I guess, like, there's the like again. I guess that I mean, the Eagles are going to win this game. I feel very confident in that. Could it be a little bit close just because the Giants have like some things going for them on defense that it might not be a total blowout and the Eagles offense had trouble against this Giants defense a couple weeks ago. So is it just so easy to assume in a divisional game that they're going to blow them out? Um, I'll take the Eagles. Why not? It's Jake Fromm. you know, maybe he throws a pick or two. There's a couple turnovers. Uh, what else can you say about this game? The Giants are missing a ton of players. Uh, they're in a playoff push. I, again, I just I don't see how the Eagles lose this game, so I'll, I will take the point or I will give the points. Yeah, I don't think we need to overthink this one. Eagles easy. Uh, I'm going to say a score something the like I don't know 31 to 13 something like that. I think they win okay. easily. Um, this Giants team, as bad as it is, uh, they're bad already, and now they're also missing a ton of players, including their starting quarterback. They benched their number two. I mean, they got nothing. <laughs> the Eagles can't win this game, as you said. You know, big, big problems uh, in in you know in Philadelphia. So yeah, I think they they move on to to week seventeen, and uh, we start talking about the rematch with Washington being a super crucial game for playoff contention. I do think that second Washington game will be a little tougher yes. than this one does. Not only the obvious angle of like them having more players, but also the game being in Washington. I know there'll be a lot of Eagles fans there still, but just like there's some different things in that game where I would not just assume that it will go. And I mean, this one wasn't even really super easy. They won by 10 points. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think the turnover, the first one, obviously by Goddard, who I don't think we mentioned a lot in this pod, but has been a beast really recently. Um, You know, that was fluky and whatever, but you know, there was some stuff like Jalen Hurts, did fumble though too. I see people like being like, well, if you take the interception away, like, well, the interception happened first of all, and <laughs> second of all, like, well, but but, the fumb- but what they meant by that was it wasn't his fault. What what I will uh, no, I get that. What what I'm I will saying, say like, about the, the fumble was so. Here, here's here's what I say about the interception. He he should have thrown another interception, but Goddard saved him. Yeah, and actually made the play. So I think oh. that play and the interception that Goddard dropped sort of cancel each other out. Well, I could you could say the same thing with the fumble too, like because the fumble doesn't show up in the passer rating, but it was like a very bad passer play because you yeah, held onto yeah, the ball yeah, for yeah. too long. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't. So I don't. I'm not trying to kill him for the interception or say it's his <laughs> fault. I'm just saying like, you can't just disregard it. Like it, it, like you said, it evens out. And also, I did look at that. Uh, uh, I saw a picture of that Goddard catch, by the way, and in the, like the frame of the that the photographer took it, it's in the Washington defender's hands. It yes. looks like it's a pick. Like I'm like, how was that a catch? Uh, so yeah, not the best. Um, anything else, Jimmy? So I think that's about it. No, uh, I would. What like do you want to, for Christmas? So we you mentioned Festivus earlier. I will air yeah. a quick grievance. Uh, nobody cares about me and my troubles uh, covering the the team. But uh, I was particularly mad at the postponement <laughs> because we got to cram like seven days of work into four days. The week of Christmas, by the way. Thanks, NFL. Yeah. Jerks. It's my airing of grievances. For no reason. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so I had a – I had a – would you say what, what do I want for Christmas? I actually put yeah. together like a wish list in a Word document. Wow. 
Because <laughs> people are asking, are you? Like, what do you? No, okay. I mean, it's weird for. I don't. I have so few people to to shop for. Um, lucky that way, and maybe lucky's the wrong way to put it. Weird um, flex, but okay. But I have a very low number of people that I have to do uh, shopping for. Um, so, uh, but the problem with that is everyone already has like the people that I shop for, if they want something, they, they just, they just have it. So it's so hard sure. to, to f- come up with ideas for, for what to get, you know, these, these, uh, these people in my life. Uh, but for me, yeah, I, I didn't really have anything specific that I wanted. Um, I, I tried to put together like a list. It's the one thing that I wanted was a, do you have like a wall mount for, I assume you have an iPad, right? I don't. No. Okay. Hmm. It's interesting. I wanted a wall mount for uh, my iPad uh, for the kitchen. Okay. And then also for like the treadmill. Um, but yeah, that was about it. You? Uh, peace on earth, Jimmy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's my real answer. Okay. Um, Good. Totally not. Uh, no, just like. It's like the fakest sincere answer <laughs> could have. Um, uh, I mean, that would be nice, all jokes aside, but uh, not really. I'm not really uh, the biggest uh, gift person in terms of either really giving or receiving. Like sometimes, mm-hmm. but not like – I feel like if I want to give a gift, it's because I want to give a gift and not because it's like I feel like I have to because it's just some – like it's a holiday or it's a birthday. Like feel like if i want to really get something for someone like i want to do that i don't want to just like i never want to feel like it's an obligation because at that point that's oh i totally feel obligated me. yeah well okay. so when, well, when you yeah, show up you for go. christmas do you just go yeah, just didn't just didn't want to feel obligated i didn't get you anything <laughs> screw you <laughs> well i don't really have like a big situation like that it's not that's never how uh we have it but shout out to my mom because it is my mom's birthday on christmas and also oh yeah my okay. aunt because they are twins Oh, my Aunt Holly. So shout out to both of them, really, but especially my mom because she's my mom. And uh, yeah, happy birthday to her. Uh, so she got uh, screwed on Christmas yeah. growing yeah, up as a kid. Well, All the, the combiner gifts. Well, yeah, that's not – it's not the best day to have a birthday <laughs> in that sense. And also, it's not even just about the gifts too, just in terms of like the recognition. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like a special day for you. Like it's just it's just another day that doesn't really revolve around you at all. Thanks um, for being born on the same day as me, Jesus. <laughs> Ruined my birthday. So, so my my mom's birthday is coming up. So um, yeah. Uh, well, happy birthday, her- happy birthday, Mister Gowden. Thank you, Jimmy. She'll appreciate that. I did get her a really nice uh, thing from LL Poworski Jewelers. Shout out. Oh, okay. uh, not a sponsor of this podcast, but a really good friend and a sponsor of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez, of course, as people know. Um, really nice flower necklace last year. So that was Did a big surprise for Did he give you a discount? Um, yeah, but I didn't expect a discount, to be clear. He did because he's a very good guy. But I went in being like, I want to pay full price for this. And he was like, no, you're not. I'm going <laughs> to give you a discount because you're my that's friend. A, that's a good move. You go in somewhere and you say, like, I demand to pay full price. Like <laughs> – and then they go, no, 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 no. We're not going to have any of that. I think that's a good play. It's a good negotiating strategy. Well, that's not why I did it either, to be clear. Like I, gen- I want he's, he's my friend. I want to support his business. I don't want to like, you know, have him and whatever. He's doing fine. But, Brandon's playing right. chess while everyone else is playing checkers. Well yeah, done, buddy. Me. 
<laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I hope all the listeners have a good holidays slash Christmas slash everything. New Year's. I mean, we'll be back before then. Um, Eagles will potentially give you a win to celebrate, should, barring disaster, the day after Christmas. So uh, that will be a nice Christmas gift for everyone. And maybe the Vikings and the Saints will lose as well. So they're not favored. And then the Eagles all of a sudden be, I mean, there's a, there's a scenario, Jimmy, where the Eagles lock up the playoffs before week 18, right? Because okay. they could win yeah, sure. the next couple. And if the Vikings and the Saints both lose the next couple, then, I mean, they've got it. Uh, so we'll see about that. Cause I think it's a little too early to just assume that's going to happen. But uh, anyway, Eagles play meaningful December football playoffs on the horizon. So fun stuff to well, come the here. Saints lo- the Saints Radio. don't even have to lose next week. If the Eagles win the following week, because they'll have the head to head. True. Or so then just this week then. Yeah. And then the Vikings yeah. losing twice, right? Hmm. And the Eagles winning both Might of the next two games. There. So, so we'll see. Uh, again, I think that's a lot to just assume because the NFL, as we know, is of wacky, course. but, uh, but it's possible. So we'll see. Eagles fans can be rooting for that. Uh, and again, we'll have all the coverage here at Bleeding Green Nation. Dot com, phillyvoice.com for Jimmy, uh, BGN Radio, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Check out Right This Felon Craft Turkey by going to rightdisfelon.com using discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Same discount code at wildnaturepet.com, 15% off dog treats. If you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, or looking to be connected with another realtor who isn't in New Jersey, you can call or text Kristen Roach at 856-906-9295. Or go to roachrealtors.com for more information. Uh, you can check out all the other shows we have here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. If you do subscribe, a lot of good stuff, including the NFC's mixtape where we did have on Rick Devins, which I thought was very cool. Give us a lot of good insight, not only on the Washington football team, but Survivor as well, which he was a very fun contestant on. So that was fun. Um, we have the SB Nation NFL show heating up again, Jimmy, because we're talking about the whole league on there and not just the Eagles. So the whole playoff picture that's being discussed, daily episodes, definitely want to check that out as well. And check us out on social media. Why not? I'm at Brandon Gowton on Twitter and Instagram. Jimmy Kemsky is Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter. And you can check out at BGN underscore radio for the podcast account at Bleeding Green for the website account. Jimmy, good episode by us. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Do you have any final holiday cheer to give anyone? Yeah. Thank you all for listening and for uh, reading us too, if you do that. Um, and yeah, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Any uh, other. Uh, happy Boxing Day. Ho- holidays I'm missing here. Happy those as well. Uh, I love you all. P-G-N. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. 
It's no wonder the Fundrise Flagship Fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com Flagship. This is a paid advertisement.